Welcome to another episode of This Week in Crypto. My name is Singh, and this week's episode is for March 18, 2018. In episode 11, we're going to take a look at this week's hearing on the Hill. Google's ban on crypto ads. Updates on the Lightning Network. And much, much more in this week's episode of This Week in Crypto. So guys, welcome back to another episode of This Week in Crypto, and we're just going to jump right into it. The biggest news this week was the hearing which examined cryptocurrencies and ICO markets that was held on the Hill on March 14th. Now, I'll definitely have a link for this hearing in the description below so that you guys can go on there and actually check it out yourself. It's about two hours long, and at times it did get a little boring, but honestly, it's uh, something that's well worth watching and taking a look at and understanding exactly where we're going in the government on trying to regulate cryptocurrencies. Now, overall, I didn't hear much or actually anything too egregious that we aren't used to. So it was pretty good as far as a hearing can go. Now, I've talked about this in the past and I do think that we need some regulation. Again, without regulation, we're not going to get an increase in volume. We're not going to get the average mom and pops in. Uh, that's because they, they need to feel a sense of security. It becomes critical that we don't over-regulate the space. Now, in all honesty, the reason for regulation is that we need people to understand that there are safeguards available for them if they need to use them. And as we see more investors, now, not investors like you and I, the listeners here are more like pioneers, but I'm talking about the average mom and pop investors. Now, these investors are going to flood the market once we get some regulations on board, creating an enormous demand for cryptos. The pioneers of the space, or the 2% or so that are involved right now, will definitely benefit. And when I say benefit, I mean benefit tremendously. So from that perspective, yes, it will be advantageous for us to have some regulation. Now I keep emphasizing some, because if we have too much regulation, then this market could be choked, pushing it back underground. Or more realistically, it's going to flourish, but not in the US. It'll leave us behind. The technology is not going to disintegrate or go away. At this point, there are too many countries involved. There are too, too many other nations involved. And because of these companies that bring jobs and a purpose, they're basically going to pick up and leave and go to foreign lands. So if the United States is to remain a superpower or to be on the forefronts of this cutting technology, then Yes, they're going to have to regulate this so that more people feel secure enough to invest their money in it, dive into it, but they're going to have to be very, very careful. And a part of that, I have a feeling, is, is based in understanding what the ICO is. At this moment, I honestly feel that a lot of people, 
And by a lot of people, I mean, even those that are invested now in the cryptocurrency market can't tell the difference between an ICO and the currency, the cryptocurrency itself. They are completely two separate things. Though that's something that I felt that this hearing probably needed to dive more into. Um, it seemed like the hearing was for ICOs and regulating ICOs, but for some reason it kept on going about Bitcoin. And I honestly feel that this is where it's a little backwards. You can't regulate Bitcoin. You just can't. What we need to focus on is regulating ICOs, initial coin offerings, and how they're done to safeguard that those people, those investors that are investing in these companies, don't get screwed over. Don't get their money basically taken from them. And that's the one thing that this hearing didn't do. I think what they could have done better was they could have taken the time to better define the ICO area or zone rather than mixing ICOs and Bitcoin together. Um, and I, I honestly think that those people on the Hill, the, some of these senators, some of these uh, congressmen and women don't really understand the difference between an ICO and Bitcoin itself. And of course, from the bank side, they don't want the congressmen and women to know the difference because their whole goal is, is to stifle Bitcoin, stifle cryptocurrency in itself, not really help the people by regulating ICOs. But regardless of that, what I really want to do is I want to focus on some of the testimony and talk. And I really want to focus on one representative in particular, and that's Mr. Brad Sherman. Representative Sherman is a Democrat from California's 30th Congressional District who clearly has no idea of what cryptocurrency is. In his questioning, he kept referring to how crypto is a great means for terrorists and nefarious users, criminals and of the like, and how he's been using the traditional banking system all his life. And he feels that there's no need to change that. Now, I have to talk about this because in reality, cryptocurrency is not, I'm gonna repeat this, not, 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 not a great means for terrorist activity because it's transparent, open, and public. So once the government start to understand how to work with blockchain experts on blockchain, it would make moving money for these types of activities almost impossible to hide because of the ledger. Honestly, if Mr. Sherman were able to see past his bias and resistance to change, he would be able to see the same thing you and I already know. And that is, the best currency for being untraceable, the best way to conduct illegal acts without trace, the most anonymous currency, isn't Monero, it's not Zcash, it's not Bitcoin, it's definitely not Litecoin. Guys, it's no other than the US dollar. Paper money. For that, and that reason alone, and how he responded with, quote, I guess we will be having another hearing after a terrorist event that uses cryptocurrencies. That statement in itself is so ridiculous that I don't see, I don't see you having Senate hearings every time there are terrorist activities or attacks happening on U.S. soil on how to regulate the U.S. dollar. 
Because I bet you that they used fiat money or paper money, most likely the U.S. dollar to make these heinous acts occur or buy the materials for these acts. So honestly, Mr. Sherman, you really need to read up and educate yourself. Get on board or get left behind. And I say this with extreme sincerity, because if we take a look at it, states have been jumping on board left and right. I mean, we're looking at states who are allowing people to invest with cryptocurrencies without uh, uh, having to pay taxes, or we're seeing some states that are allowing citizens to pay their taxes in cryptocurrencies. And yet we have this representative who is still asked backwards when it comes to what cryptocurrency is. He's talking about the uses of Bitcoin and he's villainizing Bitcoin while the Senate or the, the hearing was about ICOs and ICO regulation. So he wasn't even on the same planet at this point. But I shouldn't be too surprised because literally a few days right after, we found out some very interesting news about this, uh, this representative, uh, Mr. Sherman. Let me tell you, I'm going to fill you in on some really interesting stuff and it'll all make sense. So we found out some very, very interesting information in an article written by CCN. Um, and keep in mind, the data was first discovered by a Reddit user uh, who decided to look into Sherman's donation history uh, in response to his calling Bitcoin a quote unquote crock during Wednesday's hearing and his uniquely arrogant opinion on the value of cryptocurrencies and their underlying technology. So, as it was reported on CCN, Sherman repeatedly harped on Bitcoin's association with terrorism and illicit activities that we just spoke about, right? And he also stated that, quote, perhaps we'll have another hearing after a major terrorist event, which was the most asinine thing someone could actually say. Um, he also said that the branch of fintech is only popular with guys who want to sit in their pajamas and tell their wives they're going to be millionaires. Clearly, this guy is from a whole different planet. But according to this Reddit user and according to the Center for Responsible Politics, Sherman received about $12,500 from individuals who were associated with Allied Wallet. Now, Allied Wallet is an e-commerce payment uh, processor which is located in Los Angeles. Now, that may not seem like much, but it represents the largest contribution that the congressman has received from any single company during this year, this fiscal year. And a company that, you know, happens to, stand, uh, to experience significant disruption if cryptocurrency becomes mainstream, that alone is highly speculative. Now, it didn't really end there. The securities and investment industry contributed more money to Sherman, about $56,700, than any other economic sector. And there is little doubt that this industry would prefer that the government take a hostile stance on the ICO fundraising model. Now, incidentally, Allied Wallet was forced in 2010 to forfeit about $13.3 million to settle Justice Department allegations that it had processed payments linked to illegal offshore gambling websites. Now, I'm wondering what uh, Representative Sherman's response would be if this were brought to his attention. Do you think he would be 
worried about cryptocurrencies association with illicit activities? Maybe he'd be quick to return Allied's donations and reject any other contributions from the companies moving forward. Ha! Let's be real. He's not returning any money. He's pretty much been bought. And we could see that in the hearing. So when you guys do take a wa- take a look at this hearing, you'll find the uh, the link in the description as well as on our website. You're really going to start to notice, especially now that you know this. When I was initially watching the hearing, I, I just kept questioning myself, why? Maybe this guy just doesn't know. Maybe this guy is just just ill-informed. But as the news broke, that's when I started to realize he's been bought. And his question or his line of questioning is clearly to create doubt in the minds of other representatives and to stifle this technology. But regardless, at least now we know he's crooked. So the first official beta implementation of the Lightning Network went live this March 15th as developer Lightning Labs announced it had won $2.5 million in funding from some big-name investors. So the release marks the latest milestone for a Lightning Network, which continues to see broad increases in its adaption and technical progress. So earlier this week, It was reported on how the protocol had grown to over 1,000 nodes and almost 2,000 channels. Now, growth achieved almost completely in 2018. And the interesting thing is, with backing from computer giant Microsoft, as well as some of the Bitcoin industry's best-known names, it was with no surprise to me that the Lightning Labs also revealed participants in its new funding round included Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey, Tesla and SpaceX angel investor Bill Lee, Robinhood's co-founder Vlad Tenev, and Litecoin creator Charlie Lee himself. Now, Lee had signaled his enthusiasm for the Lightning Network publicly well before this, and he released a dedicated post of his own about its future in, in early January. Other figures from cryptocurrency, including Blockstream's CSO Samson Mao, continue their bullish take on Lightning. Now, Mao, this week basically associated to a bar tab in a Bitcoin pub on social media. And I'm going to read to you his Twitter post. He basically said on March 14th, Oh, because when you open a tab, usually you give them your credit card. In this case, you plunk down a bit of Bitcoin, though, and you'll get the beer because you're dealing with a business and they probably didn't set up shop to scam you out of beer. To Grok, the, the whole Lightning Network, it's like everyone can open a tab with everyone else in the world. So basically, everyone is a bartender. Now, the technology hasn't advanced without criticism. Bitcoin core developer Peter Todd voiced concerns over hasty uptake of the protocol before security questions had been resolved this month and arguing that the potential for users to lose money made a fast rollout really, really irresponsible. So this is something that's going to have to take a lot of fine tuning, but I'm very happy to see that we've already jumped into the uh, the beta or the beta implementation of the Lightning Network, which means things are progressing. A product is on, it's, it's there. The platform is getting better. It is solving problems that we had concerns in in 2017. This may actually throw Roger Ver and his Bitcoin Cash a curveball. And it's something I'm really interesting to keep an eye on and see exactly how it develops. But I think this is something that's really good for Bitcoin and cryptocurrency in general.
In more news today, the attempted breach of Binance's systems that happened last week on March 7th sent a wave of fear through the crypto community. Now, Binance is one of the world's largest exchanges with over a billion dollars that get exchanged daily in trading volume. Now, many traders still leave a lot of their assets on the exchanges, so it's holding a very large sum of money at any one time, which makes it a very lucrative target for far bigger than any traditional bank. Now, the exchange has taken a very unprecedented step of offering, let's call it a bounty for any information that leads to the capture or arrest of the hackers who were attempting to infiltrate their systems last week. The reward, which is payable in Binance's own currency, BNB, will be given to the first person to provide substantial information and evidence that ends up leading to an arrest in any jurisdiction. Now, anonymity is optional, and it's only providing that the local laws permit it. Now, the company reserves the right to also split that bounty if there happens to be multiple sources of information. And interestingly, the exchange expects more attacks as it's set aside a reserve of $10 million equivalent in currency for future cases of bounty awards that may be needed. Binance has also reached out to other exchanges to join the initiative and to help catch hackers and cyber criminals. Now, this is a really good thing for multiple reasons. One is it lets people know, investors know that the exchange is serious. They take this type of thing, these type of hacks, this, these type of breaches very seriously, and the safety of the assets of their uh, investors are taken with great importance. Not only that, if we get to a point where different and mo the majority of these exchanges that are out there start to work together in decreasing or eliminating these type of hack events, we can be sure that we're going to have a safer environment for investing, which will allow people to trust the system. And then once you add trust, you're going to add more people that start investing in the system in cryptocurrencies because they feel it's secure. Uh, and again, for you and I, that means more volume, guys. Now, moving on, following in the footsteps of Facebook, Google has announced that it's going to ban cryptocurrency and ICO promotional material from its ad platforms. Google explained that the new policy will be in effect in June of this year, and it's going to affect search engines, the advertisements on YouTube, and the display ads network. Google's crackdown is intended mainly to, as they call it, prevent consumer harm. And it follows Facebook, which adopted a similar policy in late January. Google's announcement basically reads, and I'm quoting this, This year, we updated several policies to address ads in unregulated or speculative financial products like binary options, cryptocurrency, foreign exchange markets, and contracts of different for FTCs. Now, the number of misleading and malicious advertising, including payday loan ads, ads that intentionally look into system errors, and these so-called fake news ads has increased dramatically in the recent years, according to a recent bad ads report. In 2017, the Google network took down more than 3.2 billion ads that violated the advertising policies. And this was information provided by Scott Spencer, Google's director of sustainable ads. That's an average of 100 ads per second and almost double the number from 2016, which was at 1.7 billion ads which also dwarfed the previous figure from 2015. Not only this, Google also took down over 130 million ads in 2017, where hackers inserted code to mine for cryptocurrencies like Monero. So last year's rapid rise in Bitcoin and other crypto prices 
was partially fueled by last year's explosion in ICOs. Unfortunately, this industry has also been filled with scams and fraud coins, also known as shit coins. The good thing about banning of these ads is going to be that we're going to see less and less ads of crap coins or shit coins or scam coins. And what that's going to do is that's going to help help by not enticing people into these get rich quick schemes and thus getting involved in scam coin investments. But what kind of concerns me is that if all crypto related ads are banned, then what about those that are based on crypto education or trading education or uh, crypto podcasts or even exchanges? Are these also going to be regulated or banned? And if so, that might become a hindrance because now we're stifling advancement into education into this market or education into the investment into this market. Now, what was even more interesting was this morning, Sky News reported that Twitter is also planning a new advertising policy that will also be rolled out in a couple of weeks. Now, this new policy will ban cryptocurrency ads for wallets, token sales, and ICOs following on the heels of this uh, Google announcement of banning ads. This new banning policy will apparently be on a global scale. As for cryptocurrency exchanges, it appears that they may be banned as well from advertising on these social media platforms. However, some limited exceptions might be made. One, hopefully, would assume that exchanges that are licensed to operate would fall under that exception mandate. But this is something that we're going to have to keep an eye on and see exactly what develops. So it appears that the subject of crypto is getting students motivated to show up for class. Now, there's quite a few colleges in the state of Illinois that are now offering courses specializing in Bitcoin and blockchain. Professors and students are now aware that having knowledge of cryptos, cryptocurrencies, and its underlying blockchain technology is not only vital, but it's critical for forging a career in finance and business. And because of such, students majoring in those subjects are interested in crypto classes, but they're not alone. Students major, majoring in bio, engineering, computer sciences, and for many other fields, are also signing up for these classes. Now, some of the universities that are offering cryptocurrency classes include Northwestern University's Kellogg School of Management, IIT, DePaul, and U of I at Urbana-Champaign. Some of the professors have said that interest in such classes is being driven by a younger crowd, which is eager to drive into this new technology. Now, they note that the older faculty and students prefer a focus on traditional financial subjects. Uh, one of the professors, Professor Gibb Bassett, talks of the divide stating that, quote, they want to hear about Bitcoin. Their parents have told them it's a tulip bubble, it's crazy, it's ridiculous. And their friends, who invested three years ago, are millionaires. There's clearly a generational component to this. Now, the interesting thing is if this is being taught in universities and in colleges now, and students are, their, their interest is piqued by this, then it can only go to show that this is something that's going to be a big, big thing in the future. And I'm not talking about five years from now. I'm talking about possibly 10 years from now. Uh, and you never know, even less than that. We may have degrees based on cryptocurrency cropping up. And it's not only in Illinois that are seeing a surge in demand for crypto courses. Stanford is one notable university offering 
these classes. Uh, Dan Bona, the co-director of the Stanford Computer Security Lab, said he had over 1 million people sign up for his online course. MIT and the University of California are just two more bigger names or big names that are offering cryptocurrency-themed classes as well. Some crypto classes are taking notice, such as Dash, and they donated $50,000 to the Blockchain Research Laboratory at Arizona State University. Uh, this was done in 2017, um, and currently it's now working in partnership with the lab. Kyle Squires, dean at the Ira A. Fulton School of Engineering at ASU, stresses that the importance of this ed- education, and he says that the Blockchain Research Lab not only offers students early access to blockchain technologies, but... Um, the technologies that are transforming the nature of business transactions, but it's also providing them an opportunity to be part of this, of the design process and this unique opportunity for real world innovation and design. So we can clearly see that if this has already hit the university departments and the universities are teaching this, that this is going to somehow manifest into a degree program that will clearly be a forefront of jobs in the near future. Now for some breaking news. Guys, we saw the market rebound a little bit here today um, in the latter half of the day. And the question is, is is that rebound going to remain and are we going to continue to increase? But one of the reasons why we saw this rebound was an international group of central bank regulators and government ministers basically said that cryptocurrencies don't pose a risk to global financial stability. Now, these comments that came on the eve of talks on the subject by the G20 um, basically has us a little bit hopeful. In a letter published on March 18th, the Financial Stability Board Chairman Mark Carney, uh, who also leads the Bank of England, said that the organization doesn't see the tech as a threat, at least at this juncture. And he wrote, quote, the FSB's initial assessment is that crypto assets don't pose a risk to global financial stability at the time. This is in part because they are small relative to the financial system. Now, even as at their recent peak, cryptocurrencies combined global market value was less than 1% of the global GDP. In comparison, just prior to the global financial crisis in 20, 2018, or sorry, 2008, the notional value of credit default swaps was 100% of the global GDP. Now, because of their small size and the fact that they are not substitutes for currency and with very limited use for real economy and financial transactions, has meant that the linkage to the rest of the financial system are limited. So while the note is mostly in line with Carney's previous comments on the limited impact of cryptocurrencies on the global financial system, the letter offers a window into where the discussion around this area may head at the G20 meeting this week. And this is probably why we saw the uh, crypto markets kind of holding back and pulling back a bit. As it was reported before, government officials were to meet tomorrow and Tuesday in part to talk cryptocurrencies in an agenda item that was or that has been deemed quote unquote important in a bid to reach a common response to regulations. At this moment, that's going to be tabled and as it was acknowledged by Carney's letter, a number of major countries like France, Japan, the United States have called for a unified response to speculation around cryptocurrencies. Most recently, 
Japanese officials reportedly expressed interest in joining that effort around money laundering. Though, some of these calling for action seem to share Carney's assessment as well. As previously reported, the U.S. Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin, who supports an international approach to regulation, has said in the past that he doesn't see cryptocurrencies as a threat to financial stability. Now, how long this exuberance is going to last, we really don't know. But, you know, throughout this week is going to be quite critical to see where the markets go, if they continue to keep going upwards or if they take a, a, a turn for the downward fall. But this is something that we definitely want to keep an eye on. We want to keep our thumb on the pulse. And um, you never know. Uh, this could be that transition period where things start to go up. If you want to know more about the markets, how the markets are faring, what uh, technical analysis uh, we do, uh, go to CryptoCoinGuru.net, become a member. That's where you're going to find all that information. And now we're going to take a look at some more short, brief news that uh, made it into this segment. Uh, one of that being is older South Koreans are the biggest investors in crypto. While most people would associate cryptocurrency investment with the younger half of the generational spectrum, it seems that reports have shown that seniors in South Korea are going significantly harder in digital than the younger investors are. According to a survey about 2,500 adults by the Korean Financial Investors Protection Foundation that was conducted last December, older investors are getting involved in cryptocurrencies much more aggressively than the younger investors, though the younger uh, investors are more active when it comes to buying and selling, so in, in the sense of trading is concerned. Also in the news today, well, not today, but this week, is Gemini Exchange may soon offer Litecoin and Bitcoin Cash. Now, the Winklevoss brothers are looking to add additional cryptocurrencies to the Gemini Exchange, while also um, praising the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commissions in their recent statements. So, the Winklevoss twins' cryptocurrency exchange Gemini, or the Gemini Exchange, is looking to expand with the addition of Litecoin and Bitcoin Cash. Currently, Gemini Exchange only offers Bitcoin and Ethereum trades. Also in the news, which I found really interesting, was Sierra Leone uh, has made history. Uh, election history, that is, because it's become the first country with blockchain verified elect election voting. And then finally, guys, television personality John Oliver takes on crypto, Brock Pierce, and BitConnect in his in one of his segments this week now the recent cryptocurrency craze has new investors throwing a ton of money into questionable digital assets especially different markets with volatility that aren't prepared for now john oliver's latest segment on cryptocurrency not only informs viewers of the current state of the market but also hammers home why they should always think twice before taking that plunge And you guys know what that sound is. It's that time again, guys. If you want to learn more about smart crypto investing, then become a member over at CryptoCoinGuru.net. Make sure you hit that subscribe button and hit that tiny bell next to it so you can get our weekly podcast notifications and updates. Till next time, this is episode 11 in the can. And I'm Sim signing out for CryptoCoinGuru. Till next week, guys. 